Howdy, folks. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of TGC Midweek. Hope you're safe and healthy in your homes if you're locked down and quarantined. Um, I know my work has everyone working from home. Um, Michael, how are you? I'm doing well. Um, it has been a strange few days. Did you enjoy your uh, trip to the beach and then getting home to... <laughs> it was great, although I, I kind of think about it now and I'm like, we ate it. We ate at multiple Chick-fil-A's across the southern coastline oh, of the United States, and they were crowded places. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so we're going to sanitize so, these microphones pretty good. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, G says it's already been done. So, uh, yeah, interesting, interesting times. Uh, liking the beard that you got rocking? Yeah, desperate times. Call for desperate <laughs> measures. <laughs> Michael went to the store to stock up on razors, and they were just <laughs> They out. were out. And yeah, so they are out of razors uh, at the store. <laughs> growing the old beard there. Oh, um, that's funny. But we're back this week, uh, off last week for spring break, and kind of had a, a intermission the week before that, going through some questions. Uh, back now in our series on covenant theology, mm-hmm. why don't you remind the folks kind of what we're talking about and where we've been? Before I do that, can I say one thing? Oh, yes. Um, uh, I was really sad that we weren't able to have Sunday morning worship this past week. Um, I didn't think I would be as sad as I was uh, to miss seeing po- folks' faces and uh, engaging in worship with one another. And it seems like that's going to be our life for the next few weeks at least. Um, and so I've thought about it recently in terms of fasting and feasting. And I think it's a helpful image to have in our minds that we are now engaged in, for lack of a better word, fasting from community and worship with God's people. Um, But one day soon, we'll be back at the feast. Mm -hmm. And my hope is that the absence of experiencing that on a weekly basis is going to basically stoke people's hunger for that more and more and not, not basically make them, you know, ambivalent towards it. Um, Because I think that's the fear here is if we're not engaged in worship for a few weeks based on government mandates that we might just realize, oh, man, we don't miss it that much. I hope that that is not the case. I hope that we miss it more and more each week that we're not able to gather physically together. And so we're fasting now, looking forward to the feast um, we'll experience in a few weeks, hopefully, as we gather back together. And I'd love to even think about throwing a party um, as a church uh, to celebrate that event yeah. back together. Good old-fashioned um, church potluck? I'll tell you. Man. Um, something just to get us going again physically and uh, w- seeing each other face-to-face. Yeah. Um, so. I know, I know the thing that I've missed the most has been, uh, or that I missed the most last week was communion. Yes. Because I, I am not a, um, I love singing songs and everything, but I am not like a really emotional guy. And uh-huh. so the the physical act of getting up and walking oh, yeah. and ripping off a piece of bread. And, sure. And eating it is meaningful to me. Uh, yeah. Well, and what I've what I've come to um, think about the past few days too is we are we are embodied people, mm-hmm. and so seeing each other, shaking each other's hands, giving each other hugs, hearing each other's voices, taking communion at the table with one another, uh, I think that when we don't have it, we realize how important it is. Yeah. 
And so um, we're going to try to do our best in the coming weeks to do virtual worship, as we've announced on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock online, where people can tune in on their computers, but it will not be the same. Yeah. Um, but we're going to try to gather around uh, um, a unified message from God's Word, unified songs as we sing and worship through song together, unified confessions. But if you're still sad, that's that's okay, because we're missing something very, very, very important. Sure. Yeah, I think the weirdest thing with this, too, is that in times of uncertainty and crisis like this, this is when you normally get together with yes. groups. Yeah. You get together with you know extended family, or you get together with your church. Mm-hmm. And so now, when we're in this time of crisis, and we're specifically not supposed to do that, it just— And the loving goes, thing to do is not to do the that The loving thing right to do now. is not to do yeah. that. And so it goes against every sort of natural uh, human tendency in times of uncertainty. Yes, Totally. Unique, unique times, and I think we're all a little sad about it. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of some things that are certain, let's talk about covenants. Yep, let's do it. So, why don't you remind the folks kind of uh, what we're doing in this series, uh, what's this whole idea of covenant, and kind of where we've been. Uh, Talking about uh, the covenants that we see throughout Scripture, and we've talked in the past uh, about two main covenants that you see in the Bible, the first being the covenant of works that is primarily in Genesis chapters 1 and 2 that um, God gave Adam, uh, basically, if you obey, uh, you live. Um, If you disobey, uh, you die. Um, Not just physically, but more importantly, spiritually, I would say, I guess. Um, After that, uh, from Genesis chapter 3 on through Revelation chapter 22, um, you get what we call the covenant of grace, where God decides that he is going to come and fix what mankind has uh, destroyed, Um, that he's going to rescue and renew and restore what we have forfeited and vandalized through our sinful actions and our disobedience. And underneath that umbrella of covenant of grace, you see different places in the Bible where God comes to renew that covenant. And so, for instance, you see him uh, make a covenant with Noah. You see him make a covenant with Abraham. You see him make a covenant with Moses. You see him make a covenant with David. And then in Jeremiah, you get this sense of a new covenant that's coming in Christ Jesus. And all of these covenants that you see being made with Noah, Moses, Abraham, David, and the new covenant are basically God recommitting himself, um, making a, a promise to his people that he will be their God, they will be his people. And basically what we'll see is God putting himself on the hook mm-hmm. in each of these recommitments. And so that's what we're talking about. Now we've gotten to the point where we're talking about some of these specific covenants that we see. I think a few weeks ago we talked about the covenant made with Noah, and that's where we left off. Yeah, that's right. And and just as a point of, of summary, I I would summarize the Noahic covenant by saying that that God promises to sustain the natural world order, the com- the the seasons coming and going and and things like this and and to not uh, destroy the earth. I don't know if that's a reductionist yeah. way of looking at it, but that's sort of um, a, a gracious way to look at it that God will never again destroy the earth in the way that he did and uh, and also providing stability so that the world and mankind can flourish. Yeah. For me too, and, and I know I, we need to move on to, to, to further points, but uh, the, the thing that I always look back to is when the covenant of grace sort of this bigger umbrella is instituted in Genesis three fifteen, and uh, God talks about the seed of the woman 
that word seed has sort of this dual meaning of like of like a, a long-term line of of people mm-hmm. um but also sort of capital s seed the the singular offspring who would be christ and so understanding that of so the noahic covenant is now the um sus, the sustaining of the means of producing the sure. seed yep and um that theme for me kind of runs throughout a lot of these covenants and explains some of the other things that you see in the the in the old testament but mm-hmm. that idea of sort of the seed being sustained yep. and carried forward is, is important. It sure does. Yeah, yeah. And that seed, um, as you mentioned in Genesis 3, it's not plural. It is singular. It's mm-hmm. talking about a specific person. Uh, and you see that person come in, the, in Jesus yeah. um, as you follow along the storyline of Scripture. So let's go to the next covenant now. Um, and that's the covenant made made with Abraham. And so this one, it's, it's hard to... Uh, it's hard to overstate the importance, I think, of the of, of the Abrahamic covenant to our understanding of of Scripture. I was watching a uh, um, an R.C. Sproul clip. Um, this was a couple of months ago, I guess, and he he kind of has this funny exchange where he refers where he says, you know, he was teaching a seminary class, and this this uh, young seminarian comes up to him and. You know, they, they would kind of ask him to sign books and study Bibles and stuff like that because he's R.C. Sproul. And he said, will you, will you put your life verse on, on this? And R.C. Sproul's kind of he, – He's a little curmudgeonly. A he's little, a little yeah. curmudgeonly. And so he's like, what the heck is a life verse? And so he writes, he writes on there Genesis 15, 17 and as his life verse. And he says, the next day the student came up to him and said, Dr. Sproul, I, did you mean to put this one? I don't know. Why is this your life verse? Um Anyway, the point of all that is R.C. Sproul says if he was ever in prison and could only have one book of the Bible, it would be Hebrews. And if he was only ever allowed to have one verse of the Bible, it would be Genesis 15, wow. 17, because that's how important understanding the Abrahamic covenant is. So that was a long introduction. So, uh, Michael, why don't you give us the technical? I hadn't heard that story before. Thanks of- for throwing that in my, uh, <laughs> in my court now. Uh, I think it'd be helpful maybe to read it uh, in its context. Uh, you see the Abrahamic covenant uh, come to us in Genesis chapter 15, as you just mentioned, Jacob. I'll start in verse 12 and uh, read through uh, maybe verse 17. Uh, that's the verse you mentioned, just so people can keep that in mind. Verse 12 says, As the sun was setting, a deep sleep came over Abram, and suddenly uh, great terror and darkness descended on him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know this for certain, your offspring will be resident aliens for 400 years in a land that does not belong to them and will be enslaved and oppressed. However, I will judge the nation they serve, and afterward they will go out with many possessions. But you will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, they will return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set, it was dark. A smoking fire pot and a flaming torch appeared and passed between the divided animals. And so uh, the Abrahamic covenant is really uh, God making a promise to Abraham, uh, which is the father of his people. Uh, In Genesis chapter 12, when he calls Abram to himself, it's really the beginning of God's people. It's the watershed moment of God's mission in the world. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, where God calls Abram and says, I will bless you and you will be a blessing to the entire nations. That's where it all begins. Um, And here in Genesis 15, God is making a covenant with Abram, basically saying, you go bless the nations I will be your God. 
Um, but the the catch here is, and we talked about it probably a month ago at Trinity Grace, where Abram is basically a completely passive party yeah. here. I mean, the Lord puts him into a deep sleep, and he cuts a covenant with him, which is an important way to understand covenant because these animals are basically cut in half, and they're laid side by side, and the parties of the covenant pass down the middle of these cut-in-half animals, basically as a symbol of saying that if the covenant is broken, so goes my life as goes this animal's life. So this ritual that we see here is, in and of itself, is not unique to Genesis 15. This was a fairly common ritual in the ancient Near East. Yes. So when God says to Abraham, go uh, grab all these animals and cut them in half, Abraham kind of understood what was going on. That's a great point. He probably would have understood we're about to cut a covenant. Yeah. Uh, What he didn't understand was he is about to be put into a deep sleep. What I love about this too is that um, just before all this happens, God says to Abraham, um, look toward heaven, heaven and number the stars if, you're, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he, Abraham, believed the Lord and it counted to him as righteousness. And then like one or two verse later, one or two verses later, Abraham is like, but God, like, how do I, how do I really know? <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it shows you how little that, that faith was that was counted to him as righteousness. Yep. That's a nugget to hold on to. But um, then God does this ceremony to really just lay sure. it out for him. This yep. is how you're going to, how you, how you know. And it's all about the stipulations here. Um, it is the blessings and the curses of the covenant. And the blessings are that if the covenant is kept, um, the blessings will be received. If the covenant is not kept, then the curses will be experienced. And the curses are meant to be mirrored in these cut in half animals. Mm-hmm. And so God, in a sense, he is here in a theophany, we'd say, I guess, a theological term, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between the divided animals. So what should have happened is God should have passed through, Mm -hmm. then Abraham should have passed through. But what you see happening is that God, in the form of a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch, passed through for both parties, basically putting himself on the hook saying that, Abraham, I know you're not going to be able to um, fulfill the obligations of this covenant, um, but when you don't fulfill the obligations of this covenant, guess what? The curses are going to fall down on me, mm-hmm. not you. And that's actually what we see happening at the cross, that the curses fall down upon God himself in the person of Jesus Christ, and we get the blessings uh, that we don't deserve. Yeah. So this idea of of um, this covenant with Abraham being a uh, promise, uh, some of the reading that I've done would would say that this is an unconditional covenant from a human perspective. All the stipulations of the covenant are there, but from Abraham's perspective, he was asleep, sort of, and, and watching this happen. So from the human perspective, it is as though it were unconditional because God himself has sworn sort of both sides of the covenant. In other words, God is swearing by his own name because there's nothing higher that he can, that he can swear by. Yeah. Um, so this idea of this covenant sort of being um, unconditional founded on God's promise is, mm-hmm. is a, I think a pretty important one to read to understand as you read throughout scripture. Absolutely. I mean, 
you don't get a clear picture of grace. And it's interesting to think about it because we don't normally think of the Old Testament as a gracious book. Mm -hmm. But here it's very clear. I mean, this is a gracious action on God's part, basically saying, you're passive, Abram. I'm going to be active here and I'm going to take the curses. Uh, and so I think you're right on there, there, Jacob, in terms of uh, the way that you look at this and read it. Um, a passive promise kind of covenant that we see uh, here happening in the life of Abram. Mm-hmm. And one thing, Michael, that we maybe should do is as we go through these covenants, um, point out how they're ultimately all fulfilled in Christ. So mm-hmm. the way that the Abrahamic covenant is fulfilled in Christ is the New Testament. I think in, in Galatians, Paul would say that we are all Abraham's offspring yeah. by faith, yeah. even though the three of us sitting at this table are not ethnic Jews. Yeah. We are all Abraham's offspring. Father Abraham. That's right. Had many sons. <laughs> yep. You I'm not a Jewish person. No, you can't see it, but Michael's doing the motions. I'm a son of Abraham, though. Yeah. And so absolutely, um, it is fulfilled. And it's important to, to think about this, too, as we think about the covenants, that Abram experienced some of the fruits of this covenant promise from God. I mean, he was 90-plus uh, years old when he had his first son. Mm-hmm. He did not see his, his uh, progeny... Um, balloon to uh, the sands of the seashore or the stars in the sky, though. Um, He tasted first fruits of this promise, but we are now experiencing the explosion Mm -hmm. of this covenant promise now in our day and age. And that's important to think about as we see these different covenants as we work our way through the Bible, too, that the people that the promises were made to experience the first fruits of those promises or those covenant promises but they explode further on down the road as God continues to care for love and write the story of his people. That's right. Well, we're at a, about 18 minutes. Um, we were going to go on to Moses tonight. It's going to take a while to talk about Moses. That's right. I think, I think we need more, more than two minutes about that. Um, so I think, I think we'll push that one to next week. So tune in next week. Michael and I will talk about the Mosaic Covenant, um, where there's continuity with the rest of the covenants, where there might be some parenthetical portions. We'll argue about what the term grace means and uh, talk about uses of the law, all kinds of stuff. We had a pretty good conversation before this, before <laughs> yeah, we hit I'd record so. here. Yeah. And, uh, we should have just recorded that. <laughs> yeah. It was were, an hour long conversation. Yeah. There were some, there were some raised voices, broken glasses, holes in drywall. <laughs> I have a black uh, eye right now. Yeah, It's a mess. But uh, so we'll, we'll be back uh, for that conversation next With week. With a live audience. I'm joking. What? Oh, I'm joking. <laughs> You said that with such sincerity. I thought we were going to have a little, (laughs) you know, uh, some chairs set up and, and people and yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and pause there and, uh, and push the mosaic covenant to next week. So tune in next week to hear us talk about that. Um, if you've got questions about, uh, the covenants or just about scripture in general, um, we would love to get those questions and maybe take a stab at them. You can email those questions to Michael at Trinity grace, sa.org. Or you can text those questions, the number you'll find at the back of the bulletin. Um, real quick, shameless plug, if you feel so inclined, please go onto iTunes and rate us five stars. That would mm. help us out and help other folks that are maybe looking for some theological content might help us kind of pop up to in the in the old algorithm there. You so. could write the first ever review as well. You could. We've you got could. probably 10 people that have given us five stars. We don't have yet a written review. Yeah. So write reviews, uh, give ratings only if they're five stars. Um, 
that would be much appreciated. So until next week, this has been Jacob and Michael with TGC Midweek. We'll see you later.